Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, well, once again, PCC, thanks for being here today. My name's JF, part of the team here. And man, is anyone else excited to be here today? I, I just, I'm, I'm loving it. Sunday's in the sun. You know, part of the reason why we came out here is because we get a lot of dark days, don't we? And I just kind of like, man, I like, it. I like to feel like I'm kind of outside every once in a while. So once again, welcome. Thanks for being here. And I, I know a lot of you were here last week, but last week we had a guest speaker, my little brother, Rich Wilkerson Jr. He came and brought the word. Did he not? It was so good. Don't take my oil. Don't take my oil. Uh, we had a great time with him and, and, and lots of new faces, and so it was a great time. If, if you missed it, maybe you were traveling or couldn't make it, that's, all, that's online. You can go check it out there, and, and so awesome. So, so today we're continuing our series entitled Red Letters. Really, these red letters, specifically Jesus makes these I am statements uh, in the book of John. And, and he, he says things like, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So we've been going through the book of John looking at some of these statements that Jesus made about himself. Once again, if you missed any of those, they're all uh, archived on all of our different uh, social media platforms. You can check them out there. But today, today, for just a couple of minutes here, and then we're going to do some more hanging out, I want to look at one of the I-, I am statements Jesus made, these red letters. And the statement that he made was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I kind of saved this one towards the end of this series because this is one of the most controversial things Jesus ever said about himself. Such huge implications, uh, not just for himself, but his followers. And I know we got some followers in the house today. But before we get to that statement he makes in John 14, verse 6, I want to set up some, I want to kind of contextualize what's going on here when he's making this claim. He's 48 hours away from being brutally murdered by crucifixion. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, right, he is, he knows what's, what's about to happen. 48 hours out, and he's really, really, really troubled. He's upset. The reality of his future is is coming to light, and he's feeling the pressure of it all. And in John 13, Jesus tries to communicate to his disciples, if you read it there, that he's leaving them, and they ain't having it. They're, They're confused. They're like, what's going on? What are you talking about? We don't understand what you're saying, Jesus, because in their minds, they were just getting started. They had put the work in. They had left everything they'd ever known, right? And, and, and they're like, what are, we, what are you talking about here? They had, they had left everything to follow Jesus. So, so, so look what Jesus says here in the midst of his own outrageous anxiety, in the midst of all of the emotion, knowing what was about to happen to him. He's about to be physically tortured, okay? The worst way to die. He knows it. And look what he says in John chapter 14. And this is kind of where the meat of our text will be today. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. It'll be on the screens. Jesus says to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. 
you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know what you're, we don't know what you're, where, where, you, where you're going, so how can, we, how can we know the way? Thomas is pretty upset, right? Jesus answered, here it is. That's what we're looking at today. I am the way and the truth and the life. Underline this part. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, you must understand, I am the way, the truth, and the life is a preacher's dream sermon. You already know where I'm going with this, right? I've already got my outline, right? <laughs> way, truth, and life. But actually, I want to say it like this, all right? Write it down like this. Here's my first thought, and that is only way. Someone say only way. Jesus Christ is the only way. There's no other way. Jesus Christ is the only way. Now that right there, that one statement offends lots and lots of people. <laughs> Gets a lot of people upset. That statement, Jesus is, Jesus is the only way, kind of draws a line in the sand, if you will. He is the only way, my friends. Now to add a bit more context to the passage where Jesus refers to himself as the way, this was an incredible slap in the face to the Roman Empire. <laughs> you know why? Because the Roman Empire, they had their own way. And you know what it was called? The Roman way. And the Roman way was comp comprised of their own philosophies, their own deities, their, their own re religiosity, uh, their own ideas of how to do life. Uh, and, and it was the framework of that culture. And it was pounded down the throats of everybody who was under the Roman empire. The Roman way was the only way in that day. And Jesus arrives on the scene and he says, uh-uh, no, no, no. The Roman way isn't the way. I'm the way. Now you can imagine, you can imagine there were some upset people, some offended people. Probably like a decade ago, uh, I took my wife to the Oregon coast for the first time. Can you just go there with me in your head for a second there? And not just the Oregon coast, but a very special place. And the very special place is Cannon Beach. Does anybody like Haystack Rock? Anybody like the Goonies? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I can remember I took her there for the first time. I hadn't, I hadn't been back there since I was a, a kid. And so we're driving down, telling her all about it and stuff. And we get there. And it's, it's wild. When you get to Cannon Beach, it's like you're on another planet. It's like it is so magical. It's so beautiful. It's breathtaking, right? You arrive in that little town, and I'm telling you, we, I don't even think we got into the hotel room. I mean, we dropped our bags and went right to the beach, right? Like didn't get the right clothes on, I, you know, the whole thing. Just went right to the beach. And we're walking along and just like taking it all in. And we came to this spot. I'd never seen anything like this before. We came to this spot on the beach that, like, had a river on the beach. You know what I'm talking about? So there was, there was water flowing from, so here's, there's the ocean. We're on the beach, and we're walking this way across the beach, and there was, like, fresh water that was running down from the mountains or where, who, I don't even know where it was coming from, but it was flowing into the ocean. I've never seen that before. So we roll up and we're like, well, 
man, what are we going to do here? And I'm like, this is, this is nuts. I've never seen this before. So we roll up, and, and we get there, and we're talking. We're like, what should we do? And Ashley looks at me, and she says, well, we should just walk through it. And I said, you know what, man? Uh, there's no way you can walk through that. And she said, well, maybe I can't, but how about I just get on your back? This is my wife, I'm telling you. I'll just get on your back, and then you can carry me through it. Now, I, when I say river, I, I'm not talking about a stream. It was like the water was rushing. You know what I'm talking about? And you, if you know my wife, she has a way of convincing. You know what I'm talking about? And I was actually thinking about this week. Did you have, like, the you have wrong shoes? Like, yeah, yeah, she had, like, heels on. She's, like, carrying her. We had come from, like, a lunch. You know what I mean? So I, I said, okay, we really want to get across, I guess, you know. So she... This girl climbed up on my back, right? And here we go. And as I'm wading down in this water, kind of a, a crowd behind me kind of <laughs> begins to gather, and they're kind of cheering us on, you know? And I can remember we're going, I'm like, man, this is getting deeper. <laughs> and de she started climbing up on my shoulders, you know what I mean? She, she had the heel in my face, and I'm just like, I don't know, but you know what? I was just persistent, man. I, I think we got even waist high, and we just got, I was like, we're already in, you know what I mean? So we just kept going, and within a few minutes, we finally made it to the other side, and people were cheering, and you guys are crazy, but you did Great sermon material, too, right? Now, I, I, I illustrated that. For one, I wanted to laugh. Uh, but number two, I wanted that visual in your picture because you can apply that to your, to your uh, journey, your, your, your faith journey. Because if I were to illustrate that scene right there, that sin, or that, that, that river represents sin, okay? Rushing down. It represents the brokenness. It represents the evil and condemnation that we experience here in this present world. I want you to have that visual all right, and, and, and the other side represents God. And the other side represents our healing, our wholeness, our, our, our purpose. It's where home is. It's heaven. It's where we're going. It's eternity. And I believe with everything inside of me that when I die, I don't know how it's totally going to play out specifically, but I believe that when I die, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus, all right? I, I believe it because of everything he did for me on the cross, I'm gonna, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen when I die, right? I'm going to spend eternity with him. I believe in that. In fact, that's, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going, heaven, eternity, that we're, just, we're here for just a blink of an eye. When you get that fresh perspective of what eternity looks like, it's an incredible picture. But the only way to get there, the only way to get over that river, right, is to climb up on the back of not me, but of him, right, of Jesus Christ, because he is the only way that will get you through that river to the other side. What happens is, though, with people, they see the river of sin, of hurt, and betrayal, and they say, oh, I'll figure out a way to get through it. I'll figure it out. I'm good. I got this. And what do they do? They wade out into that river. 
they take it upon themselves and say, no, I'll, I'll be all right. I've got this. And, and, and they'll wait. And some realize it. They get out and they find Jesus and they climb up on his back. Others get washed out to sea. Others are overcome by the river of sin in this present world. And in this pluralistic world that we live in where there's multiple ways to God, right? Where all religions lead to God. Where all you got to do is take a yoga class. All you got to do is just summit Mount Rainier. And that's how you'll get to God. Jesus says so clearly, so bluntly, so offensively. He says, I am the only way. I am the only way. And I love Mount Rainier. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I love people of other faiths, right? But I believe it, and the, word, the, the scriptures are clear, and Jesus said it himself. I am the only way, and quite frankly, I'm not the one who's saying it. He's saying it. In fact, in fact, his way isn't even easy. Can I say that? It isn't easy. He never said, you follow me, it's going to get a whole lot easier. He, he, he says there might be some more trouble out there, right? But he said, I'll, I'll be with you through it. You can climb onto my back. In fact, Jesus confirmed that about it not being easy in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Look what he said. This is Jesus' mouth. Here's some more red letters. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to what? To destruction. And look at that. Many enter through it. Many enter through it. But small is the gate. And narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. I've had people say to me, yeah, JF, what I don't like about Christians is you guys believe that Jesus is the only way. You you guys need to be a little bit more accepting of other ways and ideas of God. You need to open your mind a little bit. Make your path a little wider. In a very loving way, and I've had lots and lots of these conversations throughout the years. I've had to respond by saying, I wish I could, friend. <laughs> like, if I could make up the rules, uh, maybe I would do a couple of things differently. But it's not my rules. It came from Jesus. It's clear. And if I begin to open up other ways, then I'm no longer allowed. Well, you can do whatever you want, but you're not really a follower of Jesus anymore. I can't say I'm a follower of Jesus if I'm going to add some other ways, too, right? You see, for our benefit, God made it so clear, so specific. He knew we'd live in a world with all kinds of false doctrines. He knew we would, the enemy would be teeing off on us constantly. Where there would be, if there was any gray pertaining to the gospel, we'd all be doomed. And so he says... Scripture says that Jesus is the only way. Acts chapter 4, 11 and 12. Jesus is what? The stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, but which we must be saved. All right. So that first one, only way. Here's the second one. Not just truth, he is the outright truth. Some people think that there's no such thing as outright right truth or absolute, absolute truth. Truth for them is simply what they think, right? Truth is 
what they've deemed true. Everything is relative. And what's true for them might not be true for others, right? Truth for them is only based on their own life experiences. And they substitute truth for lies. Now, we all in here know that Bigfoot is real and that he lives in the Olympic National Park. He's there. People come from all over to find him. He's out there. And you know why, you know why I know that he's, he, that's true? Because my brother-in-law, who lives in Georgia, said when he was a kid, he saw one in the woods. In fact, he was here a few years ago, and he got off the plane. And I was like, hey, Mitch, what's going on? He's like, hey, man, I'm excited, man. You know, this is where Bigfoot's from. And he got to tell him the story again. And finally, I was like, Mitch, I'm telling you, it's not true, man. He's like, no, I'm telling you, I saw one in the Georgia woods when I was five. And I'm telling you, it's true, right? What's true for Mitch isn't true for most. <laughs> lots and lots of most, right? It's relative truth. And this is one of the tactics that the enemy loves to use. His goal is to always distort the outright truth. If you, if you read the Gospels, he's, he takes the outright truth, and what does he do constantly? Just twists it. Are you sure God said that? I don't think that's probably what he meant when he, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the enemy distorts the out truth. Even better, if he can get us arguing, if he can get us debating over all this stuff, he's winning. And most of the time, in my experiences in the last, I don't know, three years or something, we get to arguing over trivial things, man. Relationships end up being torn and broken apart. And we miss the whole point of what we're supposed to be doing as his followers. He is the outright truth. We can, we can stake our claim in that. Look what Jesus said back in John 8. He's in the temple and he's teaching to a group of skeptical Jews and Pharisees. Verse 42 through 47, he says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come, I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. How many know that Jesus wasn't afraid to say what was on his mind from time to time? The devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. <laughs> for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now, that's Jesus talking. That's not JF. I'm just reading what he said, right? Jesus not only communicates the truth, he is it. He doesn't just speak it. There's been times in my life where I was deceived by the enemy. Is anyone in here can, can relate to that? Even, even when I was walking with the Lord, there's been moments where I, where, where I get tricked. Why? Because I'm 
I'm human, right? And, and in those moments, I, I exchanged the outright absolute truth, that is Jesus, for something that was counterfeit. And when you begin to accept the enemy's lies as truth, you begin to become caged in, if you will. I'm so thankful for what Jesus said, continuing in that text. John 8, 31, he said, to the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And what's it going to do? It's going to set you free. Maybe you feel like you've become caged in or boxed in or whatnot. Jesus says, if you, if you practice, if you put what I've been teaching you into practice, it is truth, and it will begin to set you free from all of that stuff. You can know that you know. All right? Outright truth. Here's a third one. Kevin, you can come back, and then we're going to pray. And that is, he is the overflowing life. He, he, is, he is the overflowing life. And, and the word overflowing, I used that word overflowing so that it kind of created like a permanent picture of this type of life that Jesus wants for every one of us. This overflowing type of life. If, if you were to try to house that, that type of life like into a bowl, right? The, the bowl, right? It, it couldn't. There's no way that the bowl could contain the type of life that Jesus offers because it would, it would overflow. It, just, it would run over the sides, overflowing, overflowing. You see, Jesus came to give us eternal life, meaning that when we do pass on, that we will live forever with him, even in this. But it, here's the thing, even in this broken world that we live in, in this state of being that we find ourselves in right now, he came to give us abundant life, overflowing life. You mean like a new BMW, JF? You mean like season tickets to the Hawks, 50-yard line, that kind of abundant life? Sometimes, but most of the time, that's not that. Maybe you've heard, watched TV, you've seen where that's, that's here, you're, you're going to get all this. Sometimes, lots of times, that's not that type of abundant life. <laughs> the abundant, overflowing life that Jesus offers and refers to here in this context is a life filled with peace in the midst of the storm. It's, it's, it's a life where you don't always have to feel happy to experience true joy in your life. The, the, the abundant life is a life full of fulfillment where you put your head on the pillow at night and the thoughts that linger are the ones that you are a daughter, you are a son, that you were put here on this planet on earth on purpose, right? Living out what he called you to do. Abundant life is one that's filled with knowing that your identity is in Christ, that you are held, hopeful, and this type of life only comes from him. It only comes from him. Romans 15, Paul said it like this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? 
as you trust in him so that you may what? Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, JF, how do I get that life? You say, how can I have that? That's what I want. So maybe you're hearing that for the first time. You're like, that's what I've always wanted. I just didn't know how to say it. Like, I didn't know how to express that. I didn't know how to communicate it. But that's what, I want an overflowing type of life that only Jesus provides. And that begins by simply inviting him in. And I know many of us in this room have already done that. And many of you are in this room and, 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 and you're already, you've been experiencing this type of life for decades. You know what I'm talking about. But maybe you're here today and you say, I haven't experienced that yet, but I want that. I want to give someone an opportunity to just say yes, to accept the invitation. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Have you walked into this school cafeteria today troubled? Are you dealing with anxiety? Are you dealing with fear? You can only imagine what the disciples were experiencing in that moment. Sometimes for me, I have to stop and get a little perspective, right? You know, do my fears and anxiety and troubles matter to God? Absolutely. And so he says, come to me. Are you tired today? (laughs) Do you want to know the right way, the next step? He provides all of that. It's through his Holy Spirit. And my brother Rich taught an incredible uh, truth about the power of the Holy Spirit last week. And if you missed it, man, go back and watch that. Because the Holy Spirit, the desire of the Holy Spirit is to walk with you every day, 24-7, to bring you peace and hope and direction and rest. So today, the scripture is clear that the Holy Spirit is in this school cafeteria, Mount Tahoma, right now, because because there's there's followers here, there's believers here, and where they are at, that's where He's at. Come on, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I love this statement because we live in this world where there's there's just so much gray trying to figure out what's what's really happening. There's so much information, but not a whole lot of truth, it seems like. But we do have the truth. We, we know the way. We know how we can obtain the type of life that we were meant to have. It's through Jesus Christ. So maybe you're here today and you've, tr- you, you've you have uh, pursued all kinds of different ways, multiple ways, every one of those ways has led down paths, maybe full-blown destruction in your life. Maybe for some of you, maybe not, it's not manifested quite like that, that dramatic, but you've taken paths that you kind of end up and you're like, you feel like you're lost. You're like, well, how did I get here? What, What is this? This doesn't feel, this doesn't feel like the type of life that I was meant for. Maybe today you want to accept Christ. Say, Jesus, I believe it. That you are the way. I've been seeking truth every single day, but you said that you are the truth. And so I'm going to lean on that today because I want to experience the overflowing, the abundant life that you offer. If that's you today, you don't have to raise your hand or come forward or anything like that. Just acknowledge in your way that, Christ, I believe in you. I believe that you're the Son of God. 
This isn't some re- religious backflip, paying penance, sign up for nine weeks of whatever, none, none of that stuff. It's just, it's just simply saying, I believe. I believe in you. I believe in you, Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to follow you. Why? Because you, you, don't just, you don't just direct the way. You are the way. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to walk with you. Thank you that you are the truth. That, that the red letters that we read, we can know that that's truth. And we can apply that to our lives today. So Lord, pray for every person in this room. Pray you bless them, be with them as we start this week. Give them peace. Give them joy. Give them hope. Whisper to them. Show them new ideas, new ways of thinking. We thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Cross this room.